0: Now, if some is good, more must be better, right? Of course, this is often not the truth, but we have to admit that our culture, and therefore our parenting climate, feeds on a bigger, better, faster, more mentality. More tech, more toys, more gear, more gadgets, more fear about competition and safety, and more choices to make about education, nutrition, and even entertainment. The result is often less time and more anxiety. Not to mention overwhelmed, confused parents and overscheduled, overparented kids. How can we enjoy modern family life more by doing less? For this, we will be turning to Christine Coe. Christine Coe is a music and brain scientist turned multimedia creative who creates content to help people reduce the emotional, physical, and logical stressors from their lives. This way, they have more time to pursue what they care about and what they enjoy. She's a co-host of Edit Your Life podcast, co-author of Minimalist Parenting, founder and editor of BostonMamas.com, designer of Brave New World Designs, and creative director at Women Online. Christine lives in the Boston area with her husband, Jonathan, daughters, Laurel and Violet, and a standard poodle named James. So welcome, Christine, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything.
1: Hello, I am so delighted to be here, Robin. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm thrilled to have you. It is a crazy time still, but before we delve into your book and this great concept, for those who haven't had the opportunity to meet you and read your book, can you tell us what gets you up in the morning and what sent you on the path to talking about what you refer to as minimalist parenting?
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's it's so interesting. Um, you know, I think that I'm sure you've seen this in your work with many, many families, but I think all of us as parents, um, you know, we carry around a lot of baggage from how we grew up. Mm-hmm. And I think that the sort of origin story around this book is that I actually grew up um, one of seven siblings in an mm-hmm. immigrant family. We had very real scarcity. Mm. And now I'm raising my kids in a very different position. I call it sort of relative abundance. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not like crazy, but Mm -hmm. we, Mm -hmm. we have Mm -hmm. enough and they have enough. So, you know, for a long time I had been thinking, you know, I'm also in the Boston area, which is a very sort of achievement oriented place. Mm -hmm. And when I became a parent, I just felt really disconnected from how I saw things being done, um, and really feeling the pressure of needing to do things the way other people were doing, but really just firmly not wanting to do it that way. And so anytime I started to write about the topic of, you know, pulling back, doing less, opting out, um, I would sort of send it out there with a little bit of a cringe, like, oh gosh, people are going to think I'm crazy. Mm. And I would get all these, all these whispers back of, and private messages like, Wait, we can do it this way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it really started. It was so interesting. Those conversations with people, with you know, parents I didn't know personally, um, and some I did, really started to lay, you know, give me the confidence to think more about this and you know what that journey could look like for people.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, it's it's an important concept in a world where it feels like there's just so much to acquire and so much that we must want. I mean, it's being shoved Mm -hmm. down our throats all the time. And you talk in the book about decluttering your home, getting rid of what you really don't need, giving to others, involving your children in that task. Many of our tendencies, and I'm included in this, of course, too, is to keep things just in case. Maybe we'll use it. Maybe we'll be looking for it. Maybe we'll want it. And our kids do this too, especially when it comes to keeping things that were their favorites. They love that shirt. They love that toy. They've got good memories attached to it. What if I want it? So what is your system for decluttering the home and how can we get our children on board with the process so that they go from hoarding to minimalizing?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that one important thing to point out too, right at the outset, is, um, and this is from you know, two immediate data points in my life, is that kids will be very different. You know, my my older daughter is very very sentimental about objects like Mm -hmm. even if it's something she had not played with but somebody she really cared about gave it to Mm -hmm. her she would be hard-pressed to give it away right whereas my second kid was just like "Eh, i don't care it's Mm -hmm. fine get rid of it Mm -hmm. so but i think it does help to um you know one thing we've done with both kids is each of them have a box in the basement (laughs) Mm -hmm. and that is where nostalgic things go and when the box is full they have to look through the box and get rid of some stuff if they want to add you Mm. know more stuff to it so there is something to constraining space i know we live in this era of like let's you know upgrade and upsize and all this stuff but i did more closets more more boxes yeah but i i'm very much into like let's constrain it let's and that doesn't necessarily meaning mean buying like more storage units and all that but just you know cardboard boxes just mm-hmm. really limit the space. And it helps kids really think through, okay, what is what is it worth? Like, what's worth going in this thing?
0: Mm-hmm. Because it's like, what do I want to be going through when I'm older? And it's actually going to mean something to me when they look back. So what about the, you know, the clothes and things like that, where, you know, you wind up just with so many, I, I went into my daughter's room today and she was putting away the the laundry and she couldn't fit everything in the drawers now that's partly because yeah I mean I haven't taken out the winter stuff and I get that and clearly she's grown so I'm going to be getting you know we have to get rid of things but I'm realizing I knew I was having this conversation with you today and I'm like oh my gosh like, I am, I really want to get rid of things, too. I could really, really do. But the task seems really large to me all the time. You know, like, just yeah. walking from room to room, I'm like, I, I can't stand clutter, and yet everything's cluttered. So I'm like, I don't even know where to begin with doing I get all it. that. Yes. I get it.
1: Well, I think the first thing, and, you know, I know... Marie Kondo is, has her rabid following, and and I respect every yes. you know her her work. Right, find joy, <laughs> find joy. joy. Yes, and yes, and not but, I am just not a person, and I know a lot of people aren't. You know, the people who can just dump everything out of their closet and I then slowly I put stuff back.
0: Oh I, my gosh, I just can't do it. One I, of my I, best friends is completely <laughs> like that. She'll come. She has come over. She doesn't live in state, but if she is here. She, one of the things she does is goes into my closet and she's like, let's just throw everything on the floor and like, do you love this? Oh gosh, does this fit? Do you like, try this on. This doesn't look like you anymore. I'm like, I love it when she, when she's done it because I look at my closet and I'm like, oh my gosh. But Every once in a while, I'm like, darn, where is that one outfit? I really did like that. Now that in retrospect, maybe I, I was too abrupt, but it is it is so hard for me to like naturally be that. And she is so naturally that person. Yeah. So. yeah,
1: So, I mean, that'll be at a baseline that's, you know, will be different. So my approach instead, whether it's my closet, whether it's my kid's stuff, whether it's, you know, decluttering various areas of the house is to just break it down. And so if you're, for example, if you're doing, closet decluttering and you just want to chip away at a little like Mm -hmm. just handle short sleeve shirts Mm -hmm. like and then Mm -hmm. maybe like Mm -hmm. in a couple days you'll do shorts Mm -hmm. I mean I really really break it down and the other thing I wanted to mention because I've I've kind of been um I don't think I started this culture amidst my kids' friends, but it's definitely trickled down and and now there's a lot of it, is I'm very into swapping and sharing. Mm. So whether it's kids' books or clothing, because, you know, even if you have a kid, you know, even my nine-year-old, she's a little bit on the smaller side, so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, she gets hand-me-downs from friends and she passes books along to other friends Mm -hmm. and things like that. So that has been... A truly awesome way to just kind of recycle and you know pass along things and I think kids are a little they have an easier time letting go when they know that you know their stuff is gonna go to somebody you know even if it's a donation box or if it's a friend I think it makes it feel like okay there's there's gonna be a home for this thing
0: yes we did get rid of I'm not kidding you 15 bags the other yeah. day, I mean, it was—it's been accumulating over a, a long period of time because we didn't really have somebody to give to, mm-hmm. and uh, we've we found somebody—an old friend of my husband's he has a, a daughter who's in first grade, and my daughter is is on the small side too, so. I just got rid of fifteen bags of her stuff. It's amazing! It was like, oh my gosh! I mean, just seeing it at the front door—you have earned your gold star. That I must was have felt so fabulous. happy about it. I can't even <laughs> begin to tell you. It was just the other day, and um, you know, we still did like the non-touch uh, swap, yeah, you yeah. know, because of <laughs> quarantine. But um, I put it out on our front step, and then uh, my daughter looked out the window, and she goes, "It's gone!" <laughs> like. <laughs> yay. Yeah yay. Yeah, no, it did. It felt really good. And I like your idea of just doing that little bit at a time because otherwise you know, you're in there for hours and then at the end, like after it, you feel like just exhausted and like almost irritated. I, I mean, it's, oh yeah, it's I like to in your book that you were like leave on a high and and, you know, make sure like it's out of the house and you're not like now need to figure out where to put everything, which definitely has been an issue for me where you're like, oh, I've just got all rid of, you know, all this stuff out of this room. But now it's sitting in my hallway or on my stairs. Um, so I like the idea of of leaving on that high. Um, Mm -hmm. But before we get into the nitty gritty of more of this, I want to take the tarp off the elephant in the room because it's a big elephant. And we know the last few months have certainly revealed privilege in a variety of different Mm ways. um, Given the quarantine, given uh, all of the, the racial tension and, and horrible things that have been revealed in that regard and I want to just connect that, connect the dots here. So, how do we talk to kids about privilege in a non judgmental way, but so that they're aware of it? And certainly with all of this accumulation. And why is it so important, given your minimalist parenting framework, to talk about privilege?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I'm so glad we're going to talk about this because I know that word really sets people off mm-hmm. and they don't like it. And I think it, it can be, I really like to reframe it with kids as, um, you know, well, certainly with race conversations, you know, using your privilege in a positive way, mm-hmm. you know, using it to stand up for other people, whatever. But, you know, certainly even the concept of minimalist parenting in the book is really rooted in this idea that, of relative privilege and relative abundance, and actually having things to pare down, um, so that you know that is an important thing to talk about at the outset. And I think with kids, the reason I feel like it's very important to talk to them about um, privilege and you know the idea that you know we'll talk about this I think in a bit, but the idea that everything doesn't revolve around them mm-hmm. is that even though it is completely developmentally appropriate for them to think that everything revolves around them mm-hmm. to some degree. Mm-hmm. They just need gentle reminders throughout that they are part of a system. They mm. are part of a family system, you know, most immediately they, the, and their, you know, their decisions and their actions impact people most immediately. You know, they are part of a, a community in their town and their school. And so I think that you know, the best way is just to have these tiny little touch points. Mm -hmm. I feel like tiny touch points are everything, whether you're talking to them about sex ed or Mm -hmm. race or whatever. It's just little conversations where you just, you know, you know, point to something that's happening, like for just to be a little more concrete, you know, we're talking about getting rid of stuff and donating and, you know, just a tiny moment where you say, wow, isn't it, isn't it? I feel so great that, um, we're able to pass all this stuff on because there are kids that just some families aren't able to have, you know, as many options mm-hmm. here. So this is really awesome that that's happening. Quick moment. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, and the more of those stack up, the more they're just thinking outside of themselves
0: and that's a good thing. Mm, I love that. I do. I love that. And I, I think you're right. We do need to, uh, you know, consistently reveal our values and what we want our children to, to learn from experiences without needing to bop them on the head and you know have this hour-long lecture (laughs) series um and and just talk to them about you know even in quick moments like that i i really think that's appreciated i had this moment with my daughter just before sitting down to talk with you where uh I told her, okay, I'm going in to do uh, my podcast, so uh, I won't be available for the next hour. And she said, but it's field day today at her school. And Uh right now we're supposed to be eating lunch, and you said you'd make us hot dogs today in honor of field day. I'm like, I absolutely will make you a hot dog. However... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for the next hour I'm not available. But after that I'm happy to make you a hot dog. But she wasn't like you know, it like took a, a it took a step back for her. It was like, wait yeah. a second, but but it's true, you're part of a system and things are not always going to revolve around you and what you want to happen and what everybody else might be doing, isn't that right?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we, I think um, my husband is a therapist, so we talk about all manner of things. And I think he was the one who, where we first started talking about family systems and um, we think about it all the time. I mean, even this morning, um, you know, I had to go to the grocery store and You know, my younger one needed a needed to go to the dentist for kind of an emergency check in thing. And then that left my teenager who, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes teens are a little harder to like get on Mm -hmm. board with the family system thing. And we have a new dog, right? A new puppy. Mm -hmm. So I said to her, I said to her, you know, we need you (laughs) Mm -hmm. to to make all the things that need to have happen. Um, We need you to be on board to help because. You know, if I can't go to the grocery store, all the things that you want, we are not going to have access to. Mm-hmm. So, just to, like quick little moments like that, and she was like, "Oh, right, yeah, okay, right, not, it not does
0: anything. involve me."
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it
0: involves me as well. My husband has an off day today where he he went fishing, so that I'm alone today. Hence, why the hot dogs cannot be made. While I'm on the podcast. Yes, exactly. Hashtag real life. (laughs) Hashtag real life. Like he deserves a day off. He's such a good dad and he works really hard and he's going fishing. And also the fishing is coming home. He's coming home with dinner. Um, So it's like actually really helpful too. But it's it's important for for kids to realize that parents are – our parents but they're also real life people they have jobs they have you know they need downtime all of those those parts need to happen and that it does come back and influence them as well you know, we need to work mm-hmm. in order to be able to take care of our families. We need downtime in order to come back refreshed and and be available to our families. So I, I think it's important to help them realize the different parts of the system and how they affect different people, but also how it affects them. So that's yeah. it's a really important thing. So as we as we wind up ramping up throughout the summer, but like into fall more and more activities are going to open. So this is sort of like a different aspect Mm -hmm. of the hoarding. (laughs) It would be very easy to slide back into overscheduling. I mean, so many people have been cooped up, and it's not surprising that people would want to sign up for everything they've missed out on while Mm -hmm. being cooped up. So how do you talk to kids about, not getting everything they want when it comes to activities Mm -hmm.
1: yeah this is a big one and i i will say personally i am probably a little bit uh people might find me a little bit radical mostly because i'm like yeah no more than one activity a season because mostly because i i hate driving around Mm -hmm, and mm, (laughs) mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that is part of what is involved with a lot of activities Mm -hmm. is the drive around and i will i will also say however that some families, it's going to be different for each family because some families really love being on the go all the time Mm -hmm. and they really like having a lot of activities. But I know plenty of parents who get super resentful about feeling like they need to say yes to everything Mm -hmm. and not really wanting to deal with all the, all the stuff that comes along with that. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. So what I recommend is, um, you know, I think there's like a little bit of just acknowledgement and then helping the kid be a little more intentional about thinking about the activities. So for example, say you have a kid who really wants to do, you know, three or four things. Um, you can say to them something like, you know, I really hear that you want to do these three to four things this, this fall. Mm -hmm. And the reality is all of these things cost money. They involve time. There's figuring out, it's not just the activity, but who's going to get you there. How's that going to happen? How do we juggle that with the schedules of other family members? You know, see, this is like more family system stuff. And then what I recommend is like actually having them put them in order. I did this with my, you know, with my younger kid, uh, like last spring or something, because she just, she wanted to do everything. And I was like, this can't, all of this stuff cannot happen. So, you know, I had her rank order them. Can you tell I'm a former scientist? I love that. I think it's fabulous. Yeah. And once, once she did that, you know, she, I said, let's, Let's see if we can make it work so you can definitely do the thing that you most care about. So I think what's, what's crucial about this, just like quick touch point of conversation is that it makes, you know, your kid feel heard, you know, you're using an, and not a, but statement about saying like, I hear that you want to do these things and, you know, there's a lot involved in all these things. It also points to sort of the the, you know, privilege thing we talked about with time and money and it and it really encourages the kid to think about what is most important for them. So there's just like a lot of good stuff jammed in like a couple sentences that you can can communicate to your kids. And I I I think I'm going to really just like lean into that and encourage people to think hard as we do ramp back to like whatever normal is going to look like Mm -hmm. (laughs) as we move into things because it's going to be a huge shock. Yeah. To have to, like, go back to things. I mean, I, even during pandemic, I had, I had a moment when I was, like, I only had one thing on the calendar for this past weekend, and there was a potential to add something, a second thing, like, a dog-related thing, and I'm, like, yeah, I don't think I can do two things
0: on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, what a change, right? And just incredible? life, yeah. like, just, I, I think my, my kids have gotten so used to just having so much downtime That the idea of going to many things is hard. The other elephant in the room around that is that sometimes it's not even the kid who's interested in doing all of that. It's the parents, right? I mean, one of my kids has a friend who confided in him that he's like, yeah, I, I don't even really like this. And... It, you know it's just something that my parents like my family does like mm. you know the other kids in the family do so this child does it as well and and he's he's like yeah I I don't even really like it <laughs> and I it just it made me think because I, I I was like real oh my goodness you know he he's not he doesn't enjoy it but they do the runaround like mm-hmm. the major amount of runaround to 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 adhere to that schedule so it's it's part of it is needing to look at our own reasons for doing this right
1: yes well this loops back to what we talked about on the front end of the show about you know when I was mentioning baggage and how we all Mm. as parents will bring our own experiences to things and I think that is definitely I'm so glad you brought it up because that is for sure something to kind of like keep, you know, keep your eyes open to. And personally, you know, I mentioned that I grew up with very little and I was the kid who wanted to do all the things. I wanted to do dance. I wanted to do soccer. I wanted to do everything. Mm -hmm. So when I had my first kid, I was actually the one like, don't you want to do this? Mm -hmm. Hey, there's a flyer for this. And, and I was given as the teacher, a first child who was like, nope, don't want to do any of it. Nope, (laughs) nope, nope, nope. And so it was actually, we sort of turned it into kind of a joke like and every time a flyer came home I we just agreed I said I will always ask and then you can always say no mm-hmm. and so every flyer that came home she'd be like nope 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 <laughs> and then maybe in second grade or third grade she finally said to, yes to something and it was soccer and it is the thing that has become her passion and you know it took her like really needing to stand her ground on that and me needing to listen
0: Hmm. yes absolutely and it's when, when I was younger, my husband was younger, we, we did do a lot of the, you know, the different types of activities, sports. I was into gymnastics. I was, I was doing the drama type stuff. My husband was very into hockey. And so then having kids, we adopted both of our kids, but nonetheless, having both of our kids, all of a sudden you realize like, they may not be interested in the same things as you. Mm. And you really Mm -hmm. have to, and you really do have to listen to that or they are doing things that they're not really interested in doing. Uh, My son tried hockey, not into it. You know, was it hard for my husband? Yeah.
1: Oh, sure. I mean,
0: that's, that's, that's a little sad for, for people when they're like, Oh, I'm going to be sharing this experience. Um, And no, Uh, he, he tried a lot of the different sports, but He's much more of somebody who likes, you know, individual things like hiking and mm-hmm. archery mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and right? Like it's just it's just a different type of person, not the team-oriented sport. So you do need to like kind of put that into perspective for yourself and realize what am I doing? Am I signing up for this for me or am I signing up for this for my Child and what are we gaining from this? I know you have like a big why in the book, right? It's like a why are we? Oh doing yeah, this?
1: yeah. We, I mean, I think we always have to be just questioning, like, okay, is this aligned with our values? Do we really want to do this? Mm-hmm. I mean, there. I think you know I call it sort of moments of pause. Like we need to have mm-hmm. so many moments of pause in our life just to, just to make sure we're we're really, for lack of a better word, this is very right now, but. You know we have to be authentic about mm. the experience that we're creating for ourselves for our kids it's really really important mm.
0: agreed agreed so given this tendency to over schedule many parents try to take things off of kids plates and take on more for themselves one of the items that you talk about in the book and and that i definitely enjoy this conversation is on chores or family contributions. <laughs> uh-huh. So you talk about getting kids involved in helping around the home like early on to minimize any one person's responsibilities and to avoid all the extra clutter. So for example, you know, my kids help clean up after dinner, take dishes off the table, wipe down the table, the kitchen counters, while my husband is putting the dishes in the dishwasher I'm putting items away that we use during dinner but I tell you like things obviously still feel lopsided and I Mm -hmm. get the desire to take things off of people's of our kids plates when they can feel busy I get I get that but I also feel like things can be very lopsided and we're like, I'm always folding blankets that the kids, you know, have taken out in, in the family room. And it's, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is that they put stuff on the countertops in the kitchen, like it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And it happens all the time, even though we've discussed it. But how do you recommend getting kids involved in taking care of the home, making chores and family contributions more of something that is always done? And how, how do we talk to your kids about contributing in this way?
1: Yeah, I have a big smile on my face because I'm I'm like the the broken record on this topic. I just, I believe in it. I, <laughs> I am somebody who, you know, had a sibling who was, you know, that person who was, you know, 40 years old, still living at home, didn't know how to run the laundry. Like you, you, uh, you, yes. you don't want to have that happen. I you don't know, all,
0: want that. No. Yeah, and we all, you
1: know, I think that there's a little bit of mental reframing as a parent that I think is required here. And it is one to realize that, by having your kids do chores these are basically life skills and you're equipping them to be a functional human being in the in the world and that is just as important as you know them like doing their homework and doing their extracurriculars or whatever you know or doing the thing they they really care about that's Mm -hmm. outside of school Mm -hmm. if they have that thing Mm -hmm. and so i think that's one thing and um i think it's really again this comes back to like family systems conversations and just being very matter of fact about it with your kids and just saying okay like here's these are the things that you know need to be done and one one way i'd like to make it a little like less overwhelming though for families is we like to say to our kids okay every day at home you need to do one thing for your brain one thing for your body and one thing for the house Mm. and once you do those things you know like anything else is gravy Mm -hmm. and it's really helpful. Like they'll eat, they'll pick a thing, you know, they'll declutter an area. (laughs) Um, And so I think it's really good to have like very simple parameters like that. Mm, Um, You know, some parents mm. might want a little more structure, but that's like a really low bar way to go at it. Mm -hmm. Um, What are some examples
0: of what they might choose in in those categories?
1: um, Strangely, my nine-year-old, she really likes sweeping. Mm -hmm. She really likes tidying up um, like she would be she would be your buddy in your house folding your blankets cuz oh she really gosh. likes tidying so nice. up the living area yes um whereas my older older daughter it doesn't like the tidying as much she'll do it but um she will make meals which mm-hmm. is amazing so yes. i've had i personally am, am have never been great at like playing games on the floor with my kids mm-hmm. but like doing stuff together like is that's what works for me. Mm-hmm. So I've had them in the kitchen with me from the yes. very beginning. Yes. Um. So they both can cook and bake now, and they make meals, and that's pretty awesome. It
0: <laughs> is pretty awesome. I, I sometimes every once in a while my daughter will like bring breakfast <laughs> breakfast oh. to bed to me, and yeah. she, you know, she's she's like I made pancakes for everyone, and I made amazing. eggs and toast, and I'm like this is awesome. Like loving Isn't that. that. Yeah, yeah, and just like the the design, just like you know what, I'm going to make cookies and, and just do it. Uh, yeah. You know, where you, you she feels confident in the kitchen more so than just that she likes it. And mm-hmm. I, that I appreciate. Like, she doesn't feel nervous around the stove. or And obviously she's been trained. I mean, I'm not just, like, throwing her over there, but... Um, You know, she just was saying, maybe I can grill the hot dogs just before. And I was like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I haven't really gone over that with you. And I'm happy to teach you how to use the grill uh, safely. But let's do that together after my podcast. But her desire to learn it, I think that's great. And I think that is one of the things that I'm hearing from you is that you want your kids to be doing things, but you also are flexible in the type of thing that they choose to do that's helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also sort of letting go of the sort of perfection elements. Yes. Actually, I have a great picture. I, I I should I don't know if I have it publicly posted somewhere, but um, you know, one of my favorite things about when I get home from the grocery store, if I've got toilet paper, is I'll tell you know one of the kids to like load up the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. Just go take it right in there, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my one time, my nine-year-old, it was like a 12-pack or something, and she built a tower in the bathroom in the lower, in the downstairs bathroom and it was it was taller than she was I don't even know how she did it but I was like this is amazing I always want the toilet paper to look like this in the bathroom
0: that is amazing yeah, it doesn't matter how it gets done if it gets done it's fabulous you yes know? exactly I think you're right you have to let go of the way that you've always done things uh, to leave room for for them to be able to excel and succeed otherwise the yeah. bar is is not only just too high, it's just too narrow. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. So you have some chapters related to like celebrations and birthdays and holidays. I always make my kids birthday cake or cupcakes or ice cream cakes on their birthdays. And if there's a theme, it's very easy to get sucked into Pinterest and all the amazing extras that parents provide for their cakes for their for their kids like now it's not just the cake
1: <laughs> now mm-hmm.
0: we've got coordinating plates and napkins the candy bar the decorations the ice sculptures <laughs> you know individual individually monogrammed parting gifts for each guest so how do we reduce the crazy and mm-hmm. the kids expectations around things like birthdays and holidays in the age of social media pinterest porn
1: yeah, it's a real thing. And it's a I, thing. I'm somebody who loves Pinterest, but yes, yes. it can get a little Me too.
0: Oh, me too. Well, I get sucked down the rabbit hole then. And all of a sudden I'm like, hmm, that's a good idea. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I,
1: I think there are a couple of ways to go about it depending on how, you know, what your resources are, what your interests are, like how strict you want to be. I mean, one basic one would literally be to... Have a budget, whatever amount it is, put the cash in an envelope, and that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's
1: like one way to do it. That's like the um. um
0: that's like the Las Vegas trip. Like, oh, you, is that? Is yes. That what people do. I did not know that. Oh yes, um, we have to go to Las Vegas each year. Not this year. I speak at a conference every single year in the summer. When we would ever, you know, go to whether it was like the slot machines or mm-hmm. you know typically like you're I don't know playing one of the games and you would go with a specific amount of money yeah. and you, you you then that that is that's your starting point and as you're playing if you're winning you keep putting the money in but more does not come out
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. it's a good good system so same idea yeah. Going
1: same, idea. same idea. I've heard from some of my listeners and readers that, you know, sometimes they'll do that with grocery budgets too. You know, mm. you just have your envelope and that's your envelope. That's
0: your envelope. That's it. That's all. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, and then I
1: think, uh, you know, um, two other things that came to mind is, you know, one year I think because my, my older daughter, Laurel is like very into the celebration. She like wants all the things to be big. And so actually when Violet, my younger daughter was turning one, she had this like exhaustive, like 52 item list of things that she wanted to do and she was she was actually getting stressed out about it and I said I said listen let's highlight you know maybe the top five to ten things on this list (laughs) like what would be the most fun like let's rank order again rank ordering in in order of like most fun and what would feel best and let's just do those things and let let the rest go so I think you know kind of making a list like that can be helpful um and then also you know one other thing that just happened this year and of course the party got cancelled in the face of the pandemic but um i really think that if you we are normally not like um big venue party people Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you know this year my younger daughter really wanted to play laser tag and so i had a conversation with her and i said you know it's it's kind of more expensive to do a party out like that you know it makes sense because you have to rent and whatever Mm And so, you know, if we do that, we're just going to scale back on, like, other gifts, and there will be no favors and whatever. And is that what you want to do? Like, you make the choice. And right. she chose She chose that. So I think when you lay it out for them a little bit, you know, again, it's just in a non sort of pushy difficult way just bringing a little awareness to the time and money that goes into these things Mm -hmm. i think can be really helpful
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely and and so that the kids are aware of how much things cost and Mm -hmm. and how many things do in fact cost money in relation to that particular celebration it's nice to be able to give them the choices so that they feel like they have some control yeah And you talk a lot about decluttering so that kids can rediscover boredom. So the sort of flip side of all of these birthdays and holidays. Now we're going to scale it back to when they have nothing to do. And when they discover boredom, then they can discover creativity. So with many screens available right now, and tech being the default for many kids... How can we structure or unstructure the day so that there is more room for nothing, getting away from the fillers like tech and more time for passion, nature and recharging? I mean, do we need to be just stricter with tech and and less strict with time? What what is your idea about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's um different i have found that different families really have different preferences here you know some families like to have hard and fast rules on tech and so you know for example they'll like have the kids device time out after a certain number of minutes or hours or whatever it is Um, whereas others you know like we're a little bit looser and we use that brain body house um, kind of metric in order Mm -hmm. to make sure that you know the kids are getting sort of a little bit of attention to each of the general buckets But I think that, um, you know, I can't say enough for how important being outside is Mm -hmm, (laughs) and I'm glad you brought it up. I I hadn't really thought about, you know, talking about that today, but it really and truly is, um, important. So I think that even if it's, um, you know, just, I know things are different than when we grew up and you would literally just be free ranging it around my my parents had no idea where I was most of the time. So I recognizing yes. that it's different and I mean, that we would everyone... come
0: inside when the, the the street lamps would come on and in our town there was a a, a, a siren that went off at 6 p.m and we all knew it was time to go home for dinner that's mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was it yeah was, yeah yeah
1: so I think I mean I think some of it is literally doing that all right you, you guys need to sometimes we'll just kick the kids out of the house and say you got to you need some time outside, it can be in the backyard, you could walk down to the river, like any of those things are fine, mm-hmm. and just sending them out. And I think that, you know, sometimes, I mean, my nine-year-old, she's very interesting, but like one one day, I she was outside and she'd been out there for a while, so I went to check on her. And she had decided to start weeding. and Damn, i What like, a benefit. You know, so I think that just sometimes you let them go or she had started collecting on another occasion. She had started collecting rocks because she had an idea about how to line them all up, mm-hmm. you know, for something. Just give them the space and don't try to solve other problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that is um, that's a huge challenge for a lot of parents. And we we want to solve their problems because we care. Mm-hmm. And like, it'll be a caring act to just back off and let them do their thing. Mm,
0: well said, absolutely. Well, give us your top tip. What do you want us to come away with after listening to this podcast and, and you're reading your book? What What are the major things that you would want us to come away with?
1: Yeah, I think that I would like for people to feel agency in the parenting journey. I think that many of us feel kind of swept away by what other people are doing or or what people are telling us to do or even, you know, what the experts are saying. And that all of the advice out there is sort of, you know, loose advice and guidance and it's it a lot of it's helpful and at some level you'll have to customize yes, for absolutely. what works for you and and your family. And also, you know, what what is a key thing about minimalist parenting is just the idea that you can say no to things Mm. and you can set limits and that is really going to be important. And it's going to be crucial for your kid to know that they can't have everything they want.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They cannot have everything they want. And there are other people involved in this whole system too. And they will survive. It will be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It will be okay. Yes, it's it's so funny if you think back to listen, let's like if you even thought back to that first birthday party and the things oh that were not goodness. that were still on the list yeah. and that you did not get to do. You know, it's it's a good perspective taker where you're like, really were those things that important? Like well, that would have been fun, but I think we did fine without it, right? I mean, and no, yeah. no kids looking back and be like, I cannot believe you did not get me the matching napkins. Like that yeah. was like a life changer for me. So <laughs> it is an important thing to keep in mind. Give I us, agree, yeah. Yes. Give us the resources of the week. Where can we go to get more information about you and the work you're doing?
1: Yeah. Well, I know you mentioned a bunch of the stuff in my bio that it probably did not sound very minimalist because I I do like doing a lot of things. (laughs) You do a lot of things. Well, and I I should say, you know, that is part of what the journey is about. It's like finding the things that you're excited about. And um, it doesn't mean not doing anything yeah it just means putting more intention around what you are doing yes uh so you can find everything at christineco.com that's my landing which kind of includes everything you know that i do including the podcast and the book and other things um
0: yeah that's that's where it is okay all right excellent I just want to thank you so much for being on the show today. It's such an enjoyable conversation and things that we don't always think about, but I think are so important to regaining some happiness and some space in our lives so that we can be ourselves and not so much what we do, but actually who we are. So thank you so much for, for talking to us and helping us to be able to talk about these things with our kids as well.
1: Oh, you're welcome. You know, we all deserve, as you said, happiness and space. And, um, you know, thank you for making the space for me to come on your show. I love your work and your podcast. And you you have so many important conversations that you, you know, project to people. So I'm I'm really grateful that we had this time together.
0: I'm really grateful, too. Thank you. Well, I've got my takeaways, and sweet friends, I know you have yours, so let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. You could go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page, or let's chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. I'm also on Instagram under drrobinsilverman, silverman, and Christine's uh, information will be all in the show notes. We will be going back and forth as this podcast is released so that you can see all of her great work. All of the links will be in there. And I will be creating memes, as you know, with some of Christine's great quotes that we thought, oh, those are great. We'll slap them on a meme so you can share them with your friends and they can learn about them too. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so other people can learn about Christine's outstanding solutions and use them in their own homes with their own children. I truly appreciate appreciate it. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here, you're getting the information you need. Perhaps you're looking around your home and you're thinking, oh my goodness, it is so cluttered. I'm now realizing that I have clutter in my schedule, clutter in my rooms, clutter in my kitchen. Look, we are all there, we are all you, and we get it. You can do it differently tomorrow. I know it's not easy, but you can't forget that tomorrow is another day. Parenting is the ultimate do-over. I see you, and I'm right there with you. And as there are moments when we doubt our know-how, our choices, and our sweet sanity, please know you are 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you